just making I our guess, next world. I guess I should go next. Sure. <laughs> I will add Brandon's world. Uh, in another attempt to either make the most radical world or the most like violently dystopian world that we can possibly imagine. In this world, cards have economic value outside the game, but in the world that I'm about to create, cards have immense social value outside the game. <laughs> what if being... What if being upper middle class depended on whether you got the one-of-one one collector set one ring from the Lord of the Rings set? Uh-huh. Um, so... Two things that are still true, right? Yeah. So the fun thing is, if you are watching or if you are listening, you can take everything that we've listed out and then use the same framework and make your own game, uh, your own world. And if and when you do that, please let us know about these terrible and wonderful worlds. <laughs> right. So it is still true that players enjoy gaming and that... Spectators bet money on games. I probably want to put each of these as their own line because people can like add detail on things. Uh, and and then you get to tell us what this world looks like. Okay. <laughs> so the world is essentially the exact same as our real world, but insofar as card games, uh, trading card games in particular, of which I imagine in this world there is just the one. Like, what if Magic the Gathering won the trading card game wars so soundly that no one ever attempted to make one ever again? Brandon, no, you've just, you've just created a world where Bandai doesn't exist. <laughs> now I we don't am have <laughs> Oh no. I mean, it could be any, like... Because, like, I'm, th I'm thinking through a Yu-Gi-Oh! lens, so it really doesn't even oh, matter God, what card yes. game it is. But because I know Magic's economy so strongly because of the Lord of the Rings set, that's the way that is manifesting in my brain. Which is, <laughs> because we know that rarity is an actual physical representation of collectability, that a card that is ultra-rare is very scarcely printed... Possessing a large amount of rare cards is actually a mark of class that is separate from whatever other financial and other social gains might be potentially gained from actually playing the game. Which is a terrible way to imagine you pulled a black lotus and that's why your family can eat. But yeah. Right, or, or like... You go on talk shows because you pulled a black lotus. People are like, "Yeah." So, Brandon, tell us what it felt like when you drew that black lotus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you have Describe four. The sound of the you, foil as you open the pack. <laughs> oh my god! Or you have four of the five pieces of Exodia. Oh god! <laughs> so every month there is a gossip piece written in People magazine. About, about the imaginary beef between you and the person who has the fourth, who has the fifth piece, and you don't even know who they are. You've never <laughs> met them. So yeah, that's me. I hate this. Okay. 
Brandon, I wrote a bit of a summary of what you just said. Please edit this to be most accurate and representative of your. Oh intent. no, this. No, yeah, that definitely is my intent. Yes. Okay. So, so that's the. So now other players will build. Um, we go in. Paul is telling us how this happened with the McDonald's Monopoly oh, game. God, oh God, I sure. remember I the remember McDonald's remember Monopoly this. game. <laughs> I remember when the the McDonald's Monopoly game was such a big deal. The fact that it came out as fraudulent was part of Trinidad News. Yeah, like, it, it was such a big deal that it made Trinidad News because locals were using it to debate whether McDonald's should be available in Trinidad as a franchise. <gasps> so, yeah, that was wild. Okay, so now Yori and I will build with something is different, something is the same, and or add detail. Hmm. I am going to give something different. So, games are played remotely with each p- player simultaneously deciding three moves in advance, results revealed, again, simultaneously, after all moves submitted. Um. So, like... Remember when in the 80s and 90s people would play chess by mail? Mm-hmm. Like that, except you're both sending your letter at the same time. And also you have to send three moves at once. You just gotta take a wild guess what you think that other guy did. Yeah, like, I am very curious. I'm gonna have a lot of things to say when it's our, when everybody gets to just add detail, because that's wild as hell. Mm. So I am going to add a detail to spectators bet on games. I see. Which is spectators may only bet cards. So spectators ante instead of players. Oh my god. Fascinating. That's... That's, that's, that's uh, well, bad. So actually that I can't do it quite that way because it says spectators bet money on games is already established as being the same. So, well, right. Yeah. But, but they may also, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, also is fair game. Yeah. Also bet cards. And what I would say is like detail wise, this is the main way many spectators gain cards. I, oh my god. Imagine you just wanted to make a hundred dollars so you could buy a drink after this game, and now you're out one Black Lotus and you still haven't made your hundred dollars. Brandon, sorry, did you just add the detail that, like, a beer costs a hundred dollars in this world? That hurts. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) So now we we do an additional round where everybody adds uh everybody adds detail mm-hmm. so the rules of in this world specifically go out of their way se- uh, on several occasions to specify that during play you're not encouraged to like essentially coach other people's decisions or ask like loaded questions about them so there's a thing that i want to learn that i'm going to learn when we are done making this world which means that I cannot touch games are sequential in time at all. 
You're just putting down a face down trap card is what you're doing, Brandon. Yeah, I have insisted. I don't want to I want to learn what happens here. Other people play to find out. I play and then somebody reveals the thing to me. That's how I'm going to learn about that. Okay. So huh, another very curious detail. Like I want to flesh out like I'm essentially changing a word in spectators also bet cards, which is the card is the ante to place financial bets in game. Oh. Oh. You cannot gamble unless you are willing to trade a card. Put a card on the line. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I think that that feels like it's totally within the the parameters. Mm hmm. If you want to add that. (laughs) Which. I have an additional detail for one single card game. (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry! We really just made Maximilian Pegasus. Okay, cool. So The expiration and repeal of antitrust and anti-monopoly laws enabled a single behemoth card game to buy out and absorb all competitors. Ow. Ow. We made Maximilian Pegasus. This is so (laughs) wild. That's amazing. Okay, if everybody has added detail in this next round, what remains is to name the world and then to do our after after round not technically in the game questions and and chatter so what shall this world be called <laughs> i mean um, forgive the saint say a joke but pegasus fantasy <laughs> oh god i'll allow it i was trying to remember exactly what was the name of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime series where the rich people lived on a like floating island above the slums where all the poor people lived. Was that five Ds or was it G? Right, it was. Which one was the bike? It had to be five. It had to be GX. I, I right? think GX was the one where they were in the schools. I think. Hang on, I'm googling <laughs> now. Which Yu-Gi-Oh had the motorcycle? Okay, uh, Brandon. What I'm was sorry your question? That we're both nerds. What was my question? What's that about five to ask a question? 5Ds is the motorcycle one. Right, yes. That's that's the one. <laughs> but yes, we're going to call it Pegasus Fantasy instead. Was I gonna ask a question? Did my brain just become hollow? You wanted to know something about the, the way that games were no longer sequential in time. Right, right, but yes. But then I okay. didn't elaborate on that in favor cool. of making a capitalist hellscape. <laughs> no, so... If... If this is a mechanical rule of the game itself, then the game itself is played suboptimally. If it is a house mm-hmm. rule that it has time in the progression of the game to evolve, the natural evolution would be players would house rule one turn simultaneously at a time so they could know whether to counter things. Because the other thing is this, this game does not have instant speed action you can't Mm -hmm. react to cards cards just happen there are no instant spells there are no sorceries you just cast creatures and creatures attack which is wild to me you also get spells and traps but you have to play them based entirely on your own guesswork like the way i am picturing this is you each have your stand with your little computer and you're looking down at your computer and you have to put in, type in your next three moves and after a time limit goes off and the buzzer rings, each person's moves are revealed and compared to figure out who, who passed. 
So this game, oh it's, my God. it's uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! That's also Robo Rally. Mm-hmm. It's like, I found it. I found the way we can make Yu-Gi-Oh! worse, and it wasn't even Pendulum Summons. This is tragic. Um, oh my god. Let's see. I had... Okay, so I have a question about the uh, buy out and absorb all competitors. If absorb all competitors, but there's only one card game, then this this mega game has the rules of all of those games combined, right? Is that is that what we mean? I think it... I was picturing something like if Vice Schwartz actually purposed, purchased the IPs that they did collaborations with. Um, wait, Mike doesn't know Vice Schwartz. Vice oh Schwartz my God. is a Japanese card game, which is not terribly complex, but does a lot of collaborations where they reprint the same cards with new art, except the art is licensed from like Bleach, okay. Idolmaster, Hello Kitty, sure. Dragon Ball Z. And Vice Schwartz does almost all collaborations. I don't think it actually has original characters. The appeal of Vice Schwartz is I get to combine my five th- favorite things, which were all made by different companies that would normally never work together to make a deck which is entirely reflective of my Blorbos. Right. Which reminds me that one day we will get to play Interstitial Our Hearts, com- uh, Our Hearts Intertwined, which is an RPG about playing characters from across a bunch of different franchises because it's a game inspired by Kingdom yes. Hearts. Yes. But uh, yeah, I'm picturing this as working like Vice Schwartz where they're like, it probably cannibalizes between one to three rules from everything it purchased, but its major thing was purchasing settings and characters. Sure. So now the conglomerate game has like every possible anime that you ever watched as a child as part of it. <laughs> Yeah. That's... Or like Battle Spirits owning yeah. the exclusive rights to make Kamen Rider cards and being the only card that the only thing that can do that. That's that's pretty amazing. All right. Uh is there anything else we want to to talk about or geek out about for Pegasus Fantasy Brandon's world? Oh my god. I just want to say that I I delight in the fact that we just naturally landed on what if the only way that you can bet money in this game is if you had to sacrifice your only capacity for social mobility as well? Because uh-huh. that's like double the class struggle. <laughs> right. You can physically not have money and then not have the means to be considered landed gentry at the exact same time and not be able to do anything about it. I just kind of hope that the next time something will change about that. Brandon and Iori have kicked off a world. We have the world of captive audience, where spectators have to go watch games like it's jury duty. We have Pegasus Fantasy, where cards have immense social value outside of the game. And now I am going to pick a statement and make it different for a third different setting. Mike, you don't need to feel like married to the games thing if you want to experiment with another topic. I I think I have a different enough angle that I feel that Ooh, I feel hoo, good hoo. about it. Oh ho ho! So Mike's original statement was the game's goal is known by the players. So we're about to get extremely wild in here. Game's goal is known only to the spectators. 
cool. So this is like Game Changer, but instead of Sam Reich being the one that knows the goal, only the spectators know the goal. Maybe the people who are running the game know the goal, and that's that's fine. But that is for part one, and then I'm going to declare two things that are still the same. Players cooperate as a strategy is the same, even though they don't necessarily know what what they're supposed to be doing. And Half what the else? Co- cooperation is figuring out what's happening to them. Uh-huh. Let's say rules generally don't change during the game. So the goal is known by the audience slash the spectators, but the rules generally don't change during the game. And so that's that, and I'm going to describe. It's like Game Changer on Dropout, like I said, um, <laughs> where players are filmed trying to figure out what the, what the goals of the game are, um, and then audience members are able to send uh, or able to communicate with players cryptically and through a varieties of mini games. So there's games within games. The spectators are playing a game to communicate things to try to slash send messages to the players who are cooperating as a strategy because they're trying to figure out what the rules are so that they can then know how to win. A brief sidebar. What is everyone's favorite episode of Game Changer? (laughs) (laughs) It has to be Traffic the Mini Green Room. Yeah, like... I love the one where it's rigged against Brennan and he goes on that epic uh-huh. rant, but definitely the escape room one is my favorite. <laughs> so I don't know that I've watched full episodes of Game Changer. I just know about it because of friends liking it and watching like segments in YouTube shorts or on TikTok or whatever. But my favorite segment is probably Good Cop, Comrade Cop for obvious <laughs> reasons. <laughs> In this, Zach is asked to be good cop. Or actually, it's good cop, comrade cop, Zach and Brennan. And so Zach opens with good cop. And then Brennan's like, don't listen to a single thing we say. Don't tell us anything. Ask for a lawyer. Um, and it's like, it goes on and they go back and forth several beats and it's wonderful. Beautiful. But now... I will go ahead. I will also just add as an aside that my, my number two episode of Game Changer... Is I don't even know how to describe it because obviously it's game changer. But there's an episode where it is be- it becomes increasingly obvious that the point of the game is that you gain points for completing sexual innuendos. And it, the part that yes, kills me is the I like my coffee episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing that kills me is the one who is obviously winning at some point just reveals that there. Asexual, and I'm like, cool. Of course, you know how this works. You've witnessed other people doing this so often. You can just game how silly this is. A very good variation on that was when they revealed that Grant's mother had been watching the whole time, and then brought her on stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So. But I'm, yes. Okay. We I'm, have players cooperating to figure out what the goal of the game is. 
and audience members able to give hints. I already have a thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, ho, ho. This round is Brandon and Iori either say other things that are different, things that are the same, or add detail. I have a thing that is different. Okay. Oh, ho, ho. So dice are not elements of randomness in games. Dice are physical clues left by the audience for players. Mm-hmm. It's still a die, but it's just six visual hints on a large, on a small stone block about what the game is supposed to be. Okay. Now, is this a uh, right? I was going to do a thing that the game says we're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That's what our other details are for. Yep. And for the, uh, the after game chatter. All right, uh, and Iori has their idea. This is adding detail to spectators bet money on games, and I will let them describe Oops. the detail. Spectators bet on which individual player will figure out goals first in real time, and current betting statistics are available to the players, which functions as a further hint <laughs> and sort of hot, cold way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's amazing. Okay, uh, so the next round is uh, everybody adds detail, and this is just adding detail, the plus uh, note. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I get to... I I could answer my own question by just making it a thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Many types of dice are used as the clues slash hints, because why should we limit ourselves? Oh, God. Imagine getting oh, a God. clue D20. You have no idea what mm-hmm. any of these things mean in in. in I concert. also have an add-on for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! I see. Only hmm. one audience member is allowed to enter this set to place dice, and must be elected by popular vote within the audience. <laughs> so now an entire other game is happening. Uh-huh. I, yes. I love this so very much. Hmm. Yes. Play along from the studio audience. Uh-huh. All right. Um, Brandon, do you have another detail to add? I'm thinking of the mechanics of this detail before I actually write it out. Uh-huh. I have a, I have a title idea, but this is not... I appreciate that so far we have achieved... 33% of our worlds are not implying complete hellscapes. <laughs> uh-huh. This world is this world just has a weird uh game show. Yeah. I figured maybe a change in pace would be nice as our cooldown. <laughs> Players may also bet their own scores with each other on who will discover the goal first, gaining more points while not completing the goal. I drew that from um, my favorite reality game show, The Genius, where, among other things in the game, including but not limited to actually completing the task in front of them in order to win money, they can bet money that they've won in previous games with each other on whether someone else will win this game before them, or whether a certain person will fail or lose. And that's how a lot of other people be like, I can't win this. But I want to not be poor, so I'm going to bet instead. I love that, yeah. Like, you don't have to win this game. 
You just got to pay off your student loans with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't help that everybody who has ever played the genius was rich and didn't need the money, but uh. still. Yeah, not so much. So I have, I have a, a title idea, mostly because it sounds funny. Mm-hmm. Clue D4. Oh, <laughs> but that's just I love this. That that's just because it sounds funny. I don't wanna I don't wanna dictate mm-hmm. if someone else has a a title idea that they want to use. Oh no, this definitely works. Okay. Yeah, that's glorious. Um we're gonna go up here. So we have uh my game, Clue D4, where instead of the game's goal being known by players, the game's goal is known only to the spectators where the audience is playing a mini game to be able to communicate to the players so that the players know what the goals are. And there are running odds and tallies about which player is likely to discover first because only because uh, there's betting on which individual player will figure out the goals the first time. So there's like three or four layers of games and betting happening in Clue D4. It's really great and confusing. Iori, something just immediately dawned on me, and only you will understand what? What, understand this thing. Mike oh, no. accidentally stumbled into the plot of Kamen Rider Geats. <laughs> well, let's see. What, uh, so the correlation would be, if you give 10,000 typewriters to 10,000 monkeys, they will eventually write a Kamen Rider? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is I literally mean, the case. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that some of the previous ones were written exactly that way. Yeah. Except when it was Kiva, the monkeys were misogynists. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, um, I, I love all of these <laughs> for increasingly complex dystopian reasons. So I feel like I appreciate that we were able to make one that wasn't a dystopia. <laughs> I feel like this is a great anthology generator for fiction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You say, like, here's the theme, and then you pick, like, 10 to 12 statements that are like, we encourage you to riff off of one of these statements so that you have, like, an overall theme, but then you have some clustering so that you're going to get like, oh, here's two or three different stories that are about some different, some jumping off from the idea that players enjoy playing games or, you know, however it is that you're going to do that. Um, yeah, this would make a very oh. good, like, workshop anthology generator. Like, sure. we're, we already know and like each other, already trust each other's creative acumen. Mm-hmm. After we spent this, the, after we spent like three mm-hmm. weeks with each other, so what if we just took one day, played this game, and then everybody took the world that they made and was obligated to write a story about it, and then mm-hmm. all put that t- together in a book? Right. Well, also, like I think this is a great teaching tool. Like, if I was ever going to teach, say, first week at Clarion West. This would be the icebreaker game to help people learn to get to know each other and trust each other's creative vision. And then you take the world you made and there you go. This is what you're doing your first week story on. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I feel like someone has probably already been doing this, but a full curriculum on world, like 
secondary world world building or however whatever frame you want to put on world building where most of the interface texts or reference texts are world building games world building uh, ttrpgs and so ben robbins is actually very good at this in a way that i am actually like really excited by because for the longest while i wanted at some point to do ben's other game microscope which is deliberately about making a very deep and involved um world building for one setting from the outside in like take all of the things that you already know you want to take all of the individually cool elements you already know you want to place in the world and then discover what the history of those things should be in further steps along the story until you kind of come to the beginning of the story and know what it looks like in reverse and i think what makes these games so cool is that it is remarkably easy to just kind of jump into one and blurt out the dumbest thing that has ever occurred to you knowing that somewhere at the end you're going to come across a genuinely very deep well-constructed element of that world building that you thought was just a throwaway joke which is actually like really rewarding in a group to like not be on not be under pressure to be smart because the smart thing will come out in the process of continuing. Yeah, something I like about Microscope is, at least the version that I remember from Friends at the Table using it on their road to Partisan. So they have a, a science fiction setting that they've done multiple seasons in, and they did a they had a fifty year fifty thousand year time jump from the end of the previous season in that setting to the start of the season they were going to make. And to do the world building, to bridge over that time, they played a variety of games in like one or two shots. And the last one they did was Microscope because that Microscope game was about putting things in order and making it make sense on the big, at the big picture. But they also did a bit where you know, they would do, drill in and do short scenes about uh, individual moments so that they could then decide, does this end basically with an upbeat or a downbeat? And I like the idea of a world building game that also makes space for like vignette RPing, which I think mm -hmm. we could do in this with, with, uh, in this world. But what it really makes me think about yeah. is what are three to four world building games that can each do different part, a different part of setting yourself up for an ongoing game as like a, you know, it, similar to Friends of the Table or anybody else who does the, all right, we're going to play game A as setup and then game B as the main campaign. That is that. Yeah. Um, again, this game in this world is on Kickstarter right now as of the stream. By the time this comes to podcast, I believe the campaign will be over, but you can often do a late pledge via like backer kit or something like that. So you, you can investigate that. Otherwise, I would say folks should just look up Ben Robbins's work and check out games like Microscope and uh, Kingdom and Follow or other Ben Robbins games, right? Is that correct? Am I remembering? I remember Kingdom. Um, um, let me check yes. the website. So I'm just going to yes, go to... Kingdom, Follow, Union... 
and uh, the like micro version of Microscope, Microscope Explorer. Yep, that is uh, lamemage at dot itch dot io l a m a l a m e m a g e dot itch dot io or lamemage dot com for Ben Robbins's work. Does anybody have anything else they want to say about in this world or the wacky worlds we've made? This was just a blast. I really enjoyed this. Excellent. Yeah, I kind of really want to do, like, at some point when we... I, I don't know what system we'd use for any of these, but I do want at some point for us to just play, like, a one-shot in one of these worlds as, as comically as possible. Well, I'm pretty sure we can wrench laser and lasers and feelings to work with any of these. <laughs> well, would we use um, Death, Deathmatch Island for one of these? I am not familiar you know, with Deathmatch Island. Would you like to tell us about that, Mike? Uh, so Deathmatch Island is a fast-paced game about a deadly game show on a mysterious island chain. The comp- competitors don't know how they got there. They have been selected and recruited, forced to risk their lives in a deadly series of games for the vague promise of a big reward for the sole survivor. That is the text for Deathmatch Island, a game by Tim Denis. Or Denny, I'm very sorry, Tim, I don't know how mm-hmm. to pronounce your name. Uh, it is a forthcoming ga- game from Evil Hat. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. It's, it's based on the Paragon system which is the system that games like Aegon uh, also use. And it would, ob- it would work ca- almost perfectly one-to-one with Clue D4 in a way that would like, require very little narrative effort. Like, like it, it, all it requires is for you to not tell the players anything about what's going on, and it would work perfectly. Okay. Um, so but, yeah, I'm into that. But then what game are the audience members for the players playing in your two-group <laughs> uh, RPG <laughs> ridiculousness? Oh my god! Um, or is it like a Twitch integration thing? I feel like there's a thing they're playing. Is there... I like the idea. I like of the them idea of playing. Twitch integration via some sort of visor with an HUD. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it, there is a version of Twitch integration that I like in that, like you know how partners have channel points on their Twitch accounts. Right. I, I like the idea that you are like that's the fake money that you are betting mm-hmm, in this sure. fake representation of this real thing. So yeah, like I now I'm very much into this now. Now that you've put Deathmatch Island back into my brain, can we get Arv to add a betting functionality with channel points? Like, I, how I do mean, we do that? Is there a way we can buy a double or nothing or something on rolls? Can he give this that as a, an extra tier and like maybe slightly hmm. under inspirations? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> there is uh, something there, you know. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to to poke. Inspirations at are almost always useful for us. I think it would be very fun to have something half price that is either extremely useful or completely wrecks us. <laughs> right, like something that is just you. You spend channel points to say raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, now that we are theory crafting ideas for <laughs> games 
on this channel for ourselves and for other people at the end of our stream about making different variations on games. I feel like we have achieved um, recursive iteration sa uh, satiation. And we've gotten very meta in uh -huh. here today. Well, imagine that happening with a world building game about games <laughs> with three writers who care a lot about games. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we can probably wrap up there um, unless anybody wants to add anything else. I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. So Good game, team. Let's uh, quickly go around and have folks remind viewers and listeners where everybody can find you, starting with Yori. Yori Cusano. I am one of those they-thems. You can find me on Twitter at Yori Cusano, on Yori at Yori underscore Instagram, and at CusanoYori.com. My debut novella, Hybrid Heart, is out from Neon Hemlock now. So pour that into your eye jelly. And related to today's topic, I will be teaching a free class during the Summer Clarion West Write-a-thon in week five. Pre-reg is not open yet, but that is going to be on Friday, July 14th from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. So mark your calendars. Brandon. As for me, I have been not your humble stage manager this time. I was just a player. Haha. <laughs> Brandon O'Brien, pronouns he, him, or they, them. You can find me almost anywhere on the internet at The Rising Tithes, including Blue Sky. Don't expect me to be on Blue Sky very often, but I am on Blue Sky. A reminder that my poetry collection, Can You Sign My Tentacle, is available wherever you get your favorite poetry books. Um, and I think that it would be really cool if you got yourself a copy. And I also make games as well. So uh, if you check out the rising tides.io, you can find some of the small things that I make and some of the things that I will be making in the future, including a uh, Kamen Rider-inspired RPG called Hero Revolution that is still in development, but I will have much to share about very, very soon. Excellent. And I am Mike Underwood. Uh publishing as Michael R. Underwood. I have been the facilitator for our game of In This World. They or he pronouns for me. I'm one of the three co-hosts of Speculate, along with Brandon and Greg. You can support the show at patreon.com slash speculate if you like what we do by becoming a subscriber, and that will give you access to bonus videos, bonus episodes on various topics. Very like I've done a bunch of GM prep videos across a few different campaigns that you can get access to there, uh, as well as various um, interstitials and bonuses that we throw up here and there, depending on whatever game we are working on. Um, so that has been that. I want to say thank you to Ben Robbins for making a cool game and sharing the early access version with backers, of which I am very proud to be one. And I look forward to seeing the full game uh, where maybe we can revisit this uh, sometime later on. Thank you, everyone who has watched live. Thank you to folks who are watching on YouTube. And thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you and shout out to Rudy Basso, our audio editor. And stay tuned for more Speculate. <laughs> The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band, The Road. 
Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi, everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.